Is that the kind of place you would have found Desi Arnaz? <laughs> they were two cat women, by the way. Did we invent the suburbs in the U.S.? Oh, Ooh. shit moment, yeah. 1050s, okay. we went as Vikings. Do you know how the Vikings determined which way the wind was blowing? Niedermeyer, dead. 1920s Paris. If you, could say anything, if you could say anything to Ben Franklin, what would it be? Shame on me for trying to confine you to a particular century. I, that, was a, that was a serious <laughs> error on my part. Hello, everyone out there, and welcome to yet another crisp, scintillating edition of Smart Drivel. This is Kurt Schneider. And I'm John Ellenthal. And John, what is Smart Drivel all about? Well, we call it Smart Drivel because... We can guarantee you the drivel and we hope for the smart. Hopefully you'll learn a couple of things, but more importantly, hope, hopefully you'll have a few laughs along the way. So join in our conversation. John, what are we going to talk about today? So Kurt, you and I have been alive for more than five decades now. And apparently, believe it or not, there were decades that preceded us too. We are going to discuss the best decades. The ones you'd want to live in or the, the best decades in general? Okay, let's talk about the decades that you would most like to live in. I love this topic. Now, I know that you own a fedora <laughs> and a bunch of other clothing that sometimes make me wonder if you're from this decade, as it's a long ago look. Perhaps you even own a duster. What decade are you trying to live out? The decade I'd most want to live in is 1940s in New York specifically. Okay, so what is it about the 40s in New York that you find so attractive? Well, first of all, Post, and it would be, sorry, let me be even more specific. Post-World post War, post War II. So we're talking about the second half of the decade because the, the war ended in 45. Yes, so it did. second half of the decade. All right. So it's Kurt Schneider. You're living in New York, 1946 to 1950. What's happening? Well, first of all, every night I'm going out, I'm going to the Golden Triangle, which was three clubs. That sounds clubs. dirty. Oh, I'm sorry. Il Morocco, the Stork Club, and 21. Sorry. Yes. I believe those are the three. Is that the kind of place you would have found Desi Arnaz? <laughs> yes, you would. And you'd also drink a cocktail like the sidecar or something fun. So because- Do you know what's in a sidecar? You know, I used to have a sidecar quite often, but I do not remember now. So I don't know either, but when you say when sidecar comes up, I immediately, for reasons I don't want to dig too deeply into, think of Batman and Robin and Robin sitting in the little sidecar. <laughs> Kapow. Bam. And by the way, same bat channel. They were two cat women, by the way, Eartha Kitt and Julie Newmar. Right. And um, did you have a, did you have a favorite, Kurt? Both. Yes, I should have seen both. Okay. <laughs> so back to, yes, back late forties, New, New York, you're in the golden triangle. And here's the exciting part about it. I think America is the superpower in the world, right? No one else. Russia's not even doing well. They, they had to dig out of having lost more, more, uh, more humans than any other, uh, the other country. Europe is a mess. The Marshall Plan's trying to put them together. Asia's a mess. America is the true superpower. But more than that, the American dream all of a sudden starts becoming a reality. All of the houses that are being built all over America by, for, under the GI Bill, GIs are going to school, they're coming back, they're living in houses for the first time. We also, for the first time, are not working six hours, six days a week. We're working five days a week. So, so leisure time comes. So 
Did we invent the suburbs in the U.S., or is that a phenomenon that we've seen in other countries? You know, I believe we invented the suburbs. And if you think about it, whenever you go to Europe, you go out of the city and you're like, you're immediately in the country. However, in the U.S., with Levittown, I think was the first suburb, right? right? Long Island. Anyway, I think we did invent it. I think the I think the suburbs are a byproduct of the interstate highway system. The fact that it was so easy to get around and so easy to get in and out of the city, you could afford to live outside the city and still work in the city. Uh, Robert Moses, when he did all of the roads all around New York City, he actually used eminent domain and he just plowed through towns and just said, your town doesn't exist any before, anymore. I'm putting a highway in. But back to the 40s. It's late 40s. New so York City. Things are World happening, War II. right? It is an excitement. And there's an is, energy. There's one word, word, possibility. Everyone thought there was possibility for something. I think the energy would have been phenomenal. And you? Give me a decade that you would like to live in. Well, let's do this uh, at the risk of being linear. Let's talk a little bit about the 50s because <laughs> the 50s were a time of great uh, economic prosperity. Um, there seemed to be, it seemed to be a quieter, simpler time. We had the birth of rock and roll. And it just seems like, you know, I, I don't know that life was like Leave it to Beaver. I suspect it was not for most. Would you have been a greaser? I don't know if I have the kind of hair or body type, or anything else that would make me a greaser. Would you have been a beatnik? I don't know if I would have been a beatnik, largely because I'm not sure what a beatnik is. So you would have been that guy with 3.2 kids in the suburb, 2.1 kids in the suburbs grilling on charcoal? I'd like to think I was more interesting than that, but Come I'd be lying. Come home get your slippers and your pipe, and the and, dog and brings you the paper? You know what? <laughs> Cocktail hour at 5 o'clock? I do but have one funny the, story the about the 50s. Yeah, go ahead. So... When I was in college, I was in a fraternity. I want to tell you something. When you were in college, I was in college. When we were in college, I was in a fraternity and I was a freshman. And we had uh, a meeting one day and the social chairman of the fraternity said, we're going to have a party this weekend with a sorority and with KKG sorority. And uh, we all said, yay, that'll be fun. The women from KKG were terrific. We were looking forward to the party. And he said, it's a 50s party, Ah. at which point we all threw whatever canister of beer we had in our hand at the social chairman and said, boo, 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 until one guy stood up. I think you look great in a hoop skirt. One guy stood up. Were you wearing Mary Janes? And he said, guys, yes, it is a 50s party, but they didn't specify the century. Oh, God. So we this went. This is one of the challenges of going to a school like Dartmouth. <laughs> so we went. There's some idiot the, in the fraternity who decides that it was at the 17 or 1850s. 1050s. Okay. We went as Vikings. Uh, you know what? Shame on me for not, for not thinking that far back. We went to Kmart. We bought bathroom rugs, cut out a hole in them. We chopped down a tree. We learned to do the Viking chug, which is a chugging a beer without bending your elbow. Do you know how the Vikings determined which way the wind was blowing? They spit. No, they would piss over one side. And if it flew back in their face, that was the windward side of the boat. If not, it was the leeward side of the boat. They weren't too bright, were they? Um, I don't know, but uh, it's also possible that that's not true. I don't think that is. I think you're making it. All right, so, so wait, just so then we come across campus. Yes. Carrying a chopped down tree, yelling, all dressed as Vikings. We decide to not knock on the door of the sorority, but knock down the door with our tree. 
We come in and the wonderful women of the sorority are all dressed in their hoop sk poodle skirts. Yeah. And they had a scoreboard that said KKG 50, Alpha Chi 50. And it was this wonderful thing. They were horrified to say the least. Let me ask you a question. Were they horrified bef uh, uh, before you sh you showed up or was it because of what you were wearing? Because that of what we were wearing. Is it possible that they had a bias a predisposition to be horrified by you people? I think so. Half yeah. of them left and half of them stayed and had a good time. So it's impossible to talk about the 50s without, look, we didn't live through it. So a lot of what we think of it was shaped by, you know, secondary sources, including movies like Animal House. So um, I think that was 1962. But it, you know what? I think all decades bleed over. Niedermeyer, four dead. Years. So hang on a second. <laughs> While that was the early 60s, that didn't it feel like the 50s to you? <laughs> so would you like to live in the 60s, the crazy 60s? Gosh, that's a tough one because, I mean, as things are not so good right now, and you think back to the last time the country was being, was this divided, and you think of the 60s in Vietnam, and, you know, the, so that's a really rough time to be alive. On the other hand, you and I could have gone to Woodstock, and that would have been a pisser. We would have we would have seen the first man on the moon, and even though we were alive, we weren't terribly conscious of it. So, a lot of great stuff happened in the '60s, but I, it's hard for me to think of it as a as a decade that I'm dying to live in. You also had, I think, back then a lot of the parents, which were born in the '30s, yeah. 20s and 30s, and they're stuck in their ways, and kids that are so different from them. I think it was a wild decade to live in, I would not have wanted to live there. No, I mean, the assassinations, I mean, they started off with all this hope of Camelot and then JFK is assassinated and it must have been an unbelievably difficult time. And you wonder how the country came out of it because we're going to need to come out of it. So maybe we can learn something. And the seventies didn't start off all that good either. When you consider, um, you know, Nixon and Watergate and the slog in Vietnam and the clothing. So it's the 1970s. How do you feel about the 70s? Would you, I, we lived in the 70s. Would you want to be an adult in the 70s? 1920s Paris. Didn't Woody Allen make a movie about that? Or was that earlier? Well, Midnight in Paris, I guess. But 1920s Paris, right? You had Hemingway. You had all the expats hanging out there. You had Gertrude Stein holding court. You had absinthe that they're drinking. You had Picasso was there. You had unbelievable stuff. They were happy because World War I was done where France got destroyed. They were rebuilding. The specter of World War II was still far away. And you had people just living and excited and ideas bombarding all over the place. So your, your interest in late 40s New York and 1920s Paris suggests certain things about you. Well, I, I, I do like the roaring 20s, yeah. but I think I would also like the roaring 1220s. Um, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast, me included, know anything about the 1220s. One guy. Martin Luther. And that was at the 1400s? <laughs> your your centuries. When was Martin Luther? 15, 1600s? Uh-huh. 1500s. Yes. Okay. So what 95 theses. Yes. Okay. No. Genghis Khan, ah. 1220s. Grandfather of Kublai Khan. Fun word to say. In Xanadu say. did Kublai Khan. Can you name the poem? Uh, yes, I can. It can is, you do it within the confines of this podcast? No, I can't. Uh, it's um, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. No, it's not. That's Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And that's oh, that was water, Coleridge. water everywhere, everywhere not, but a, not drop a drop to drink. drink. That was not that. That was when he had an albatross around his neck. But it is Coleridge who did it, but it's not Rhyme of the Ancient so, Mariner. All right. So it's 1220. Yeah. 
Kublai Khan. Yeah. Or Genghis Khan. Yes. Tell us more. Well, so Genghis Khan, a lot of people say that, and, and I think rightly so, if you look at him through today's prism, not a good guy. However, here's a guy who grew up on the steppes of Mongolia, raised up in the middle of Chinese emperors and empires, forged his own group and went across and actually conquered from Mongolia and China all the way west to what is modern day Hungary. This guy, and what he did is he developed taxation, he developed currency, he developed postal, uh, postal mail, he developed a lot of different things, but he also murdered a lot of people along the way. So, so it was Coleridge. It was Coleridge. So we had that part, right? So I had the right poet, the wrong poem. So I didn't expect Genghis Khan to come up in today's podcast, uh, but since you did bring up the roaring 1220s. Yes. <laughs> So uh, I don't it know. It wasn't bathtub a... gin back then. I think it was like curdled goat's milk. So leaving aside some of the lesser, uh, some of the less attractive things that Genghis Khan did, he's actually responsible for building one of the great and enduring cultures of all time. And if you haven't had a chance to read Ben Horowitz's new book, Ben Horowitz, he's the partner. He's Mark Andreessen's partner in Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, he's written a couple of great books. The first one is really just about you know all the troubles you go through um, leading the startup. It's called The Hard Thing About Hard Things, a giant bestseller. But more recently, he's published uh, What You Do Is Who You Are, and it's a treatise on culture. And he draws from the culture that was built by Genghis Khan and other folks outside the world of business and applies some of those fundamentals to business. He was an amazing leader, Genghis Khan. Unbelievable. All right. So the 1970s, we had a chance to talk about a great time for TV, a bad time for the presidency, um, a little bit of trouble when it came to getting gas because of the oil crisis. Um, we were kids, so everything was kind of, who, we had no idea what was going on. Would you have wanted to live as an adult in the 1970s, Kurt? Uh, I think so. And the reason why I say I think so, because I think it was sort of a transitional decade. We went from, I think the 60s sort of jammed everything up of, of we went from post-war America conservatism to the 60s, where there was all this cauldron boiling to the 70s, where it boiled over. And the 70s were sort of the new, new, the new normal. So, I mean, the 70s were pretty rough as well. I don't think they were rough necessarily in comparison to the 60s. But, you know, in addition to starting off with Watergate, you know, you had Carter's presidency in the late 70s, which was not a great time for the country. And we had, you know, the Iran um, hostage crisis began. And um, that's, that's not a great bookend. Watergate to begin. Vietnam, fortunately, coming to an end in the middle. And then, you know, hostages, American hostages for what, like 444 days. So let's get to the 80s. Now we're starting to uh, be like real people in the 80s. So we're in our mid to late teens. 1980s, you're talking about. Uh, did I say 1880s? No, you said let's get okay. to the 80s. I didn't know what. what I forgot who I was talking to. I should be much more specific. Well, since 70s, I would like to be in the 70s, but the 1770s. Because the country was yeah. forming and that was seriously yeah. exciting. There must have been, that must have been heady. Right. Plus you drank ale out of Steins a lot and. You knocked them down and knocked them back. Yeah. I think with a guy if, like Ben Franklin if around. If you could say anything, if you could say anything to Ben Franklin, what would it be? Talk. Would you be able to listen? Uh, I'm getting better at it. Yes. And okay. So since I will be more specific now. The 1980s, yes, okay. unless there's some other 80s besides the 1780s that you want to talk about, 
Would well, you want to be an think, adult in I, the 1980s? Can I just say? In theory, you almost became one in the 1980s. I, I, can I just say? I think the 1680s in France would have been really cool because that's Louis the Fourteenth, Sun King, Versailles at its height. If you were in the court, if you were like a poor pauper in the streets, like, you know, dumping refuse and, and poop outside your window onto people walking below, I wouldn't like that. But you, wanted, Versailles, you wanted to be a, a man of uh, you wanted to be a man of the aristocracy or its equivalent in modern times at the height of the party. Whether it was the 1940s, the 1020s, whatever it was 1220s, going on, 1220s. Yeah. Now, 1088, that was a big year too, but we're not going to discuss that now because we're discussing- What happened in 1088? Was that, was that William the Conqueror? 1066. 1066. Norman invasion. Norman invasion. France, England, the whole deal. Oh, 1088 is actually very similar to 1066, <laughs> at least in terms of the structure of the numbers. So it's the 1980s. Yes. We graduated from high school and college uh, yes. in the 80s. Yes. We should remember most of this. Yes. Would you have wanted to, would you have wanted that to be your main decade? I think it also is very- It was go-go. And if you're in, in America, it was the decade where personal wealth- and Wolf the of yuppie, Wall Street, baby. And the yuppie took off. And yeah. it was all of a sudden, greed became cool, right? Greed was- oh, greed is Gordon oh, Gecko, greed say? is good. Yeah, greed is good. And I think that was it. So I think the baby boomers really sort of came to their- prominence in the 80s. And they let it rip. And it would have been interesting because there was no sort of construct that used to be in America when you were really wealthy, you sort of hit it, at least in as the old Yankees did in, in, in New England. Yeah. You drove the old beaten down station wagon, even though right. you were the CEO of some company. Yeah. Money, money was quiet. It was, it was back country. It was behind stone walls. It wasn't in your face, That's garish. Right. The homes were, were large, but they were well-sided. They didn't overwhelm the property with volume. It was, a, it was quiet money. It was old money. But I think the 80s, eh, I mean, again, 1680s, yes. 1980s, not sure. Shame on me for trying to confine you to a particular century. I, that, was a, that was a serious <laughs> error on my part. You know what would have been cool? What? To tag along. It would have been tough. If I were tougher of fortitude, tagging along with Lewis and Clark would have been really cool. You think you could have tolerated that kind of lifestyle? You're not much of a canoeer. No, but, uh, and they also, what's that thing? Portaged a lot. That's a fun word to say, portage. When you pick your canoe up and you walk across land and you put it back in. So anyway, I think, but just getting across and talk about mind blowing. They leave the dirt of the East Coast. They leave St. Louis, which was the gateway to the West, right? And, yeah. and we talked about this another time with yeah, the, the gateway. But all of a sudden they go up the Mississippi and then they hit the Rocky Mountains. Talk about a oh ooh. shit moment. Yeah. Timothy Leary in the 1960s probably had those kind of moments too, but a little differently. So can you think of an analogy in, in current times where we're where we are pioneering and prospecting in a new area in a new world? Well, we cloned a sheep a few years ago, right? When you say we, you didn't mean I was involved. Yeah. Yeah. What was the name of that sheep? You Dolly? weren't. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for people. Yeah. I'm not a big science fiction reader, but. Ray Bradbury. Um, Fahrenheit, very hot. Four, 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 fourteen. Four, fifteen. I don't know. It's not 405. That's a cleaning product. Um, that's formula 409. All right. So 
there's been some there's been some loose numbering going on here, particularly on my end of the conversation. But what did I just say to you? You were you were asking me. Oh, science fiction. Yes. So I, you know, if you look if you look back at science fiction, though, it is a pretty good predictor of what's going to happen in For the future. Sure. They these people have serious imaginations. So Jules Verne. I mean, I'm going to tell you a story. So you hang on to Jules Verne. Uh, the quintessential science fiction book that predicts the future for me, Brave New World, Aldous Huxley, written in the 1920s. I would have said the 20s, but I'm talking to you. And it, it well, we are in the 20s. It's now. a bit dystopian, and it, it it talks about this future society where uh, where there are such things as test tube babies. So, can you imagine sitting there from the vantage point of the 1920s? having whatever it takes to imagine a world where there were test tube babies, not to mention genetic clones of, of animals. It also talked about a drug that everyone in society took called Soma that made everybody happy. And whether that was a predictor of, you know, Prozac ecstasy, uh, stuff like that. Right. But that is, um, that's some hardcore thinking going on there. I believe you wanted to discuss a science fiction book. No, I would just, I was just people in general, like Jules Verne in the, in the 19th century and what he presaged and all these other guys. I think you're exactly right. Some people uh, had extra some- points for presaged <laughs> judges. <laughs> P-R-E-S-A. No, the, spelling. It's the easier part. Thinking of it is the hard no, but part. I'm thinking Kurt. in Scrabble, you ha- if you had another letter, you used all seven to yeah, but make That's eight. true. But I don't think there are any letters in presaged that are particularly valuable unto themselves. P. What's that? A four point letter? Three. Three point letter. Okay. So. But if it were on like a triple letter. You have to be a triple letter and maybe a double word kind of thing. So, what do you think it is about humanity that mm-hmm. we always like to look back and and every with hindsight, every decade seems, oh, I'd love to live in the 70s when you're going through it. Even in our lives, would we want to live in the 90s again? Probably not. But now we say, boy, the, well, 90s the birth was of the internet, cool. you wouldn't want well, to live through that go, and right? all the opportunity there was. So why, do we, only always look look, to- why do we always look back with um, excitement when you're living through it, you don't give it that same excitement. Well, I think we look back because the past is specific and tangible and vivid and written. Whereas the future is who the heck knows what's going to happen. It's completely abstract and, and vague and uncertain. So, um, there's something to latch onto and have an opinion about and think about. We certainly can debate the future, but it's, it's far more amorphous than, than looking backwards. It's it's probably human nature to glorify those things looking back. What I think is really interesting is that we have these impressions of these decades gone by that are you know that are characterized by a few keywords and obviously Hollywood, right? Yeah, Making but, movies uh, out of them and stuff. Yeah, it's just that it all gets reduced into a very clean package for us to put a little handle on and carry around in our brains. Not that our brains have hands, but you got the idea. So it just gets reduced and it's reductionist because. There's obviously profound subtlety and nuance and detail that gets lost when you think of the roaring 20s or the go, what are the 80s called? But that was, there was a lot of go, go going on the 60s where we were torn. So we end up with these very unfulfilling, simple labels. And I wonder how the 20 teens will be, you know, will be packaged up in a couple of decades. So um, any, any, before we wrap up, are there other decades that you think ought to be mentioned here before we say goodbye to our listeners? Well, I think the 30s probably sucked in the US. Probably everywhere. Depression has a way of being depressing. <laughs> yeah. And I think that probably went, hence the name, yes. I think that, <laughs> that probably was worldwide. And I think we've also rightly so talked, well, no, we talked about Paris in the 20s and we talked about Paris in the Okay. We talked about other countries, but most part, 
we, we, we look through the lens of America and yeah. the 30s was terrible. Yeah, I mean, this started the start of World War II. I mean, I think Gilded the- Age New York would be fantastic. So um, my son's done a lot of study on this, but you're talking about the 1880s and 1890s. Now, again, I'm looking through it with rose card glasses because I would like to be in the gilded part of the Gilded Age New York. There were a lot of people who yes, were on- Yes, you mentioned wanting to be in the court at Versailles. And there'd be <laughs> a lot of people who came over and immigrants who weren't so gilded and there was no lily that was being gilded. In fact, yeah. their names were being changed and they were in tenements and they were being taken advantage yeah, of. And they were largely ostracized but until there were enough the, of them. But think about the people who came over, right? They don't know their background. A lot of people in America don't know their families' backgrounds from whence they came because when people came- they got rid of their past. Is it from whence or just whence they came? Could be. I don't know. From whence they came is okay, a song. Just because it's okay. in the lyrics somewhere doesn't make it. All right. So it's not even a song I know. Okay. Just well, you did up. you just make that up on yeah, the spot? I did. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to wrap this episode up. I think John. it was time many minutes ago. So in any event, um, well, we, we've been able to touch on a whole host of decades. And as it turned out, we crossed centuries and millennia, which was, hey, isn't that great? So uh, listen, thank you all for joining us, Kurt. Nice to see you and have this conversation. As always. We will be back soon with another episode of Smart Drivel. Take care. Bye-bye.